sermon number 676, Fruits of the Spirit, number one, Patience. Preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, March 3, 1974. The text is James, the fifth chapter, the seventh through the eleventh verses. James, the fifth chapter, that's found on page 211 in the back of your Bibles. We begin to read at the seventh verse. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient over it, until it receives the early and the late rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble, brethren, against one another, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we call those happy who were steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. God never intended us to live the Christian life with only our human strength. Before the disciples were commanded and sent to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, God did not expect them to do so on their own resources, but he promised to them a supernatural power. You shall receive power, said Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they did. They had what we would call supernatural strength. They were able to do practically what we would call supernatural things. Because it was because of the Spirit of the God working through human beings. Now that Spirit of God that was present from the beginning and revealed unto the disciples in Jerusalem following the first Easter, 40 days after Easter he ascended on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit was revealed unto mankind. That Holy Spirit is still with us today. It still is a supernatural power. It still is working through individual people. And we in the Protestant Presbyterian Church believe that Spirit is in you and in me. We believe that it is owned by God, controlled by God, but is sent into people who are baptized believing Christians, people who seek for the Lordship and have accepted the Saviorhood of Jesus Christ. And he is here working in this church this day. He is working in your lives this day. 
We're hearing much about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit today. Personally, I think that this is going to be the number one topic in churches throughout the land of all types during the 70s of this particular century. I'm interested in that the people commissioned unto me and under my responsibility are informed about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this particular Lenten season, Mr. Bruder and I will be speaking on those particular qualities that Paul claims are fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit working through mankind. Paul says there are nine in number. We're not going to talk in this series on love, for that is one that we talk about on many other occasions, nor on joy or peace, because we addressed ourselves to them in the Advent season. But rather we are going to start today by looking at that fourth one, and we shall be looking at the others one each Sunday for these six Sundays in Lent. And I hope that you will tune us in, that you will listen especially close, that you will try to recognize the power of this Spirit working in your life. Now, we do not presume to know the way the Spirit works in totality. No, the Spirit is of God. It blows like the wind. You don't know where he comes from or where he goes, but you, you can see his presence, you can see his work. But we will try, to the best of our ability, using the Scripture and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to try and tell you how the Spirit might be working in your lives. So please join with us. Feel the movement of that Spirit. And maybe we can become the people that God intended us to become when he created us. You see, there are just certain things in this life that you're never going to be able to attain without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You can pray for them all you like, but you can receive them only as the Spirit works in you. We'll produce fruit, good fruit. But we can't produce fruit on our own. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us that we bring forth good fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some one hundredfold. Today I have the privilege of starting on this, the fourth quality that Paul says, to be a fruit of the Spirit, patience. Now, patience is something that all of us needs. And I truly believe in my own heart that God wants you and me to be more patient than we are even now, no matter how patient that might be. God promises us by the power of his Spirit that we can be more patient. Here's the way I think that that Spirit works in us. I think it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that recognizes for each one of us individually the patience or the lack of patience that we have 
in ourselves. You see, patience is a very difficult thing to recognize in one's own self. You can recognize it far easily, but far easier in someone else than you can in yourself. You may say of this person, he has the patience of Job. He has patience that can withstand anything. But I don't think any normal person really thinks of himself as being a patient being, be he so or be he not. Some people, I guess, do imagine themselves as being very patient, yet I would think that they might have the wrong word rather than being patient. I would think that perhaps they would be indifferent. You know, they just don't get excited, they don't get worked up, they never get involved. And it's not because they're patient, it's because they just don't give a darn. And they're indifferent to what is going on in the world. Indifference is not patience. Patience is hard to recognize in oneself, and so is impatience. And no one of us likes to think of himself as being patient or impatient. And look at the games we play when we try to excuse our ugly behaviors and our disruptive dispositions when we refuse to think of our problem as being one of impatience. We blame these ugly moods on uh, not enough rest, or a lack of vitamins in our diet, or the fact that we don't have enough money, or enough faith, or enough knowledge, that we have too many things to do. Or we blame the stupidity or the stubbornness of someone else as to being the cause of why we are so miserable. It's not easy to recognize impatience in oneself. And we'll do almost anything to avoid recognizing it, even if we can. I don't know about you, but I wondered if any of you have ever tried to tell someone who lacks patience that he is impatient. If you haven't tried it, don't. It will do absolutely no good and will only add impatience to his impatience. You see, there is only one who can convict you of your impatience, and there is only one to whom I will listen and be convinced that I am impatient. There is only one who can tell someone else and get results by telling him that he is impatient, and that is the one who is merciful and gracious, the one who the psalmist says is slow to anger, the one who abides in steadfast love, God. God is the only one who can tell you and me as individuals that we are impatient and we will listen. If anybody else tries to do it, it only brings up more impatience within us. But if God tells us when we convict ourselves and convince, become convinced that something needs to be done. 
Now, my claim is simply this, that it is God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, that pricks your heart, that convinces your mind, that speaks and tells you, without any doubt whatsoever, you are impatient. And if for some reason, today, you suddenly or growingly have been led to the awareness that something is wrong, and that maybe that wrongness is caused by my impatience. That may be a moment of great disappointment and a moment that breaks many delusions. But ladies and gentlemen, that's a great moment in the kingdom of God. Because that is God speaking unto our spirit, that is God convicting of convicting us of something which only he can convict us of, and it's the only thing that will imprint upon our mind that something has to be done. Glad it's no fun to have that feeling that maybe I am part of the problem. Maybe I am the one with my impatience that is causing trouble. That's not a moment, though, that is to be sad. It's difficult. But that's the moment to be happy because God has revealed unto you yourself. Because you see, impatience is never easy to recognize in one's own self. And it can be done only by the power of the Holy Spirit, so I believe. And just as the farmer must plant a seed before a fruit can be born. So an individual must recognize the impatience in his life before the patience of fruit or the fruit of patience can be born in an individual's life. So that's one thing that the Spirit of God does to enable us to be more patient. And I think here's another one. The Spirit of God reminds us that God can work for good in spite of the worst adversary. That God can work for the good in spite of the worst adversary. Let's face it, the reason you and I become impatient is because we don't like the way things are happening. We don't like the way God or someone else is doing something. The reason we get all worked up and angry and filled with temper is simply because we're not getting our way. Somebody has disappointed us, someone has said something or done something which he sh should or should not have said or done, something that has happened that has ruined our plans, and we're impatient. We need to be reminded that our thoughts are not always God's thoughts, and God's ways are not, only, not always our ways. And the way this, this can be done is by reminding us constantly, or being reminded constantly by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God can work for the good in the midst of any trouble. I never can speak on this text. This idea, this biblical concept, with a 
thinking of my own earthly father. Many of you knew him. Today would be his birthday if the Lord had not called him home three and a half years ago. Those of you who knew him know that like Paul he had a great thorn in the flesh. My father had ears to hear, but he heard not. I don't think I can really remember a time when my father did not wear a hearing aid. In the last 15 years of his life, he wore two of them. He would be here and worship with my mother, who is with us today, and he never heard me preach. Never. He saw me preach. I guess with my activity, it's easy for anyone, but often the months afterward, he'd pat me on the back and say, Dick, it looked like you were going good. <laughs> he never heard me preach. Once I remember him telling me that at home he was listening to one of the broadcasts and he turned the hi-fi up real high. And later I was visiting in their apartment that day and he said, Dick, I heard a few words that you spoke today and his eyes twinkled. He was a great man who believed in the providence of God. The providence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I've heard him preach on that. I've heard him talk about it. He taught it to me. And I saw him live it. Live it. Like Paul, he, he prayed more than thrice that that thorn would be removed from his flesh. He went to the best of doctors. He had operations. He wore the best of hearing aids. When he died, he had less than 10% of hearing in only one year. He thought many times to us that his ministry would have been more powerful if he had had ears to hear. Because you see, in our work, communication is so important. And when you can't talk to somebody, how effective can you be? I'll tell you how effective you can be. You can be as effective as the Spirit of God working through you. And that's why I tell you today of my Father, because he is a testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit working through an individual who, though he is weak, allows the Spirit of God to be strong. My father had the ability of knowing what you were thinking before you even said it. I personally believe that his ministry, which has helped so many people, and has been an inspiration to generations yet unborn, is not because of his strength, but because of his weakness. The weakness which God was able to use and which enabled him to face the storms in his life, knowing that no matter how hard the rains would fall and how strong the winds would beat, God could work for the good. 
He believed it, and he lived it. And that was the Holy Spirit working through my father. And every time that I think of him, that's an inspiration to me. Because, you see, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. It reminds us through examples of the Spirit of God alive, working through people, convicting us and convincing us of the truth that though God might not have meant it, and somebody might have meant it for evil, God used it for good. And when you have that ability, you see, to face the inevitable, to face to face those things that are going to happen in your life and still have that inner faith knowing that God is working for the good somehow, somewhere, even though you don't understand it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what brings patience. The Holy Spirit, you see, it also brings to us a remembrance of the heroes of the Bible days. And that gives us an idea of what they did, and we can identify with that and realize by the power of the Spirit, because they did it, we can do it too. You see, it is the Spirit that helps you to identify with an Abraham who was given a promise but never saw the promise fulfilled, yet who lost no patience in trying to become blessed, to be a blessing. It is the Spirit which helps you to identify with a Moses who led his people through the promised land for 40 years, but who never got to the promised land himself, but he never lost patience. It's the Spirit that helps you identify with an Amos, or with an Isaiah, or with a Jeremiah, or with Jesus Christ himself, the Prince of all people, and the only one to possess perfect patience. Jesus was willing to remain 30 years in obscurity before he began to preach. And Jesus, you see, never was impatient with anyone, only with impatient deeds which he had the power to correct. Jesus, you see, there was an individual, though he went to the cross, endured the pain and the suffering, despising the shame. He was an individual who never lost patience with God, with himself, or with others. He was an individual who went to his grave believing in patience and believing that, that Peter would become a rock and that John, who is nicknamed by himself a son of thunder, would someday carry a name that would be a synonym for love. Ladies and gentlemen, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and it's the Spirit that helps us to identify with them and enables you and me to say, let us then cast aside every weight and sin which clings so easily, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's the Spirit that enables us to know that because they did it, we can do it too. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Spirit is moving in you, recognizing for you your impatience, 
recalling and reminding you that God works for the good, helping you to identify and be inspired by examples from the great cloud of witnesses. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, because the Holy Spirit's at work. Do not quench that spirit. Invite him in and allow him to give you perfect patience. He can and he will if you let him. Father, we come before you this day and we thank you very much for the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, please, Father, to live in the light of that Spirit. We may misinterpret from time to time, but, O oh Lord, we can never forget nor misinterpret your love. Help us to live in the light of that love. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.